Welcome, my friends, to Shaking the Salt with Dr. Peppers. My bio reads from troubled teen to teacher of the year, 100-pound weight loss, blah, blah, blah. You know the sort of thing you're working on in your before and after life story. So at the end of the message, stay tuned if you want to contact me for any reason, including prayers. Thank you. And I'm Dr. Peppers, Shaking the Salt. Here we go. Last week, I spoke on the topic of demons, the real demons, and this time, I'm going to say what I know about angels. I mean, real angels, not the little puffy cherubs that sit on clouds and play their harps and just sing and fly around all day. Not Cupid-like characters, no, not at all. I'm talking about angels as God knows them. So first, I found out some information about angels that maybe I didn't even know. I know that the term angel comes from the Greek word angelos, (laughs) is the equivalent of the Hebrew word malaka, meaning messenger. So the literal meaning of angel points toward the function of being a messenger. There is a hierarchy within the angels, too. They say that some are above others, some are more powerful, and only two are named in the Bible. Only two angels. Can you guess what they are? Okay, Gabriel and Michael. So number one, God created angels. We're told clearly that they were not always in existence. They certainly don't have any power over God. But the one thing that we do know is that in scripture, we read, you are the Lord, you alone have made heaven and heaven's angels. So the three types of angels in the Bible come from the categories of the cherubim, the seraphim, and living creatures. They're all given different jobs and functions, just like God has given each one of us here on earth different gifts and talents and purposes. It's just that angels are heavenly, and therefore they fulfill their purposes unless they decide, and somehow they must have been given free sway because we know that Satan himself was originally an angel. He was the director of the choir, and he brought many of his little demons with him when God allowed him to have a place here on earth for a time. We know that angels are not omnipresent, but God may assign them to us. We see several places in Scripture where they're not only appearing as messengers, but they are given the opportunity to come and to protect and to guard and to show and to demonstrate. We have no idea how many there are, but according to what we read, apparently there are many even beyond counting. The total biblical reference to the numbers of angels suggests they are beyond counting. Now, we cannot prove that guardian angels exist, and yet several places in Scripture. For instance, it says he will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all ways. And you can't slam your foot against a stone, according to Psalm 91. I think I've done that a couple of times when I was being belligerent to my guardian angel. Angels are very powerful. They are given dominion and authority. 
And just like the demons are allowed a certain amount of power here on earth, greater in might and power are the angels than even humans. That's right. As for now, but angels will use their power to battle against Satan's demonic forces. So that's when we can call upon angels, but we are not to worship angels. We are not to be beholden to angels. As powerful as angels are, when Christ returns, his followers will be raised higher than them, higher than the angels, according to 1 Corinthians. And it doesn't mean higher in the clouds. So, We don't know when angels were created. We know that they were created to give an example for us. In heaven, God's will is done by angels, Scripture tells us in Matthew 6, immediately, joyfully, and without question. And they carry out God's plans. Do you remember in one of the Psalms, let's see, where was that? 103, angels glorify God for who he is in himself for his excellence. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. You know, we also say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And the seraphim are the ones that were told continuously praise God for his holiness. So in all of these things that we're told about angels, we know that we're not to worship them. Worship of angels was one of the false doctrines that was taught at Coloss in Colossians 2.18. In the book of Revelation, an angel warns John not to worship him. He said, I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. That's Revelation 19. So don't pray to angels, don't worship angels, and I know we'd like to think maybe they're sweeter and softer and more friendly, like Casper the ghost maybe, but they're not. They have their specific purpose, and it's not for us to worship them. They are the ones who worship God. So through all of this, have you ever seen an angel? The reason I call this angel unaware is because when I had just come to faith, there was a sermon that I had heard on Hebrews 13.2 that says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now, what does that mean, angels unaware? It means angels without realizing it, that you may come in contact even with people or someone who looks like people that may be indeed an angel that God has sent, even in human form for a time or a season, to help us, to guide us, but certainly not to be worshipped. And it certainly isn't something we can put in our pocket and take out and say, okay, I need my guardian angel now. Instead, here's one of the stories that best described it from my former pastor. He said that he and his wife and children were on their way Um, to, I guess, his mother's house for Christmas, and it was snowing just horribly. And they had stopped at a gas station once it quit so that they could fill up with gas and get some drinks and food. And so they had gone inside the store, and he went around to wipe the windshield and looked under the hood, and he said everything looked fine. And as he looked up, even though it wasn't snowing, there was an old woman standing there, and she had her scarf pulled around her tightly. And she said, sir, could you help me, please? And he said, 
well, yes, ma'am, what do you need? And he, she said, sir, I've run out of windshield fluid, and I was trying to get this ice off of my windshield, and it's just kind of caked on here, and I'm out of fluid. Could you help me? And he said, ma'am, I always carry some extra with me. And he went to the back of their van, and he got a bottle out, and she opened her hood, and he poured some in so that it would be in there, let her get in the car, start it up, and see, you know, how it was, and was it working, and it seemed to be. So she got out, and she said, I'll put my hood down, and he said, oh, ma'am, I'll do that for you, and she said, no, don't worry about that. So she stood there. He noticed he had spilled some all over the ground there in the snow, but um, she got out, and she put her own hood down, And she said, could I say something to you? And he said, well, of course you could. And he said, she took me by the shoulders. She had steel blue piercing eyes that looked straight into my soul. And she said, son, get ready for what God has ready for you. Now, she had no way of knowing that he was thinking of going to another church, that God had other assignments for him. He had been praying about that, and so had his wife. So he turned to say to her, wait just a minute. I want my wife and my girls to come listen to this, too. And so he saw them coming out just about that time, and she she was behind him. He had his back to her, and they were coming out of the store. And he said, come here, gals. I want you to meet somebody. And they're looking around like he's crazy, saying, what, where, who, what? And he turned around, and she was gone. There was no trace of footprints where he had walked over there. There was no remnant of the fluid he had spilled. There were no tire tracks in the fresh snow that had just stopped falling. There was nobody, no car, no nothing. And they said, Daddy, what's the matter? Who was it? He said, well, I'll tell you all about it when we get in the car. He knew that for some reason, whatever it took, God allowed him to entertain a stranger unaware. And the stranger just might have been an angel preparing him for the new position that he would soon be in. Now, we don't know that for sure. We could explain it with all kinds of snow stories and other things. Clear that sometimes somebody may need something, and sometimes it may be us. I know I've certainly encountered a lot of people I could relate that story with, but maybe have you. God has made it very clear that in this lifetime, It's not like the cartoons where you have the little good angel sitting on one shoulder and Satan on the other shoulder saying, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. You need to do that. You need to do that. You better not. You better not. Oh, come on. It won't hurt just this once. Be aware, my friend, and don't discount the accuracy of angels in our midst. God, I pray for my brother and sister that are listening today that know that they need to pray to you, that there may be indeed a rescuer or a person that's warning them, something that may appear like a real person or an angel, but we don't have to worry about that. All we know is make it clear, God, help us to see and hear the truth of what you would have us to do and say each step of the way in our life. 
And when you send us an angel unaware, God, help us to be faithful. Help us to serve our brothers and sisters, whether person or angel, it does not matter. You have told us to have that spirit of hospitality, to help others and to give just as we have been given to. And I thank you that you always provide as you promised you would. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Pepper, shaking the salt. Thanks for staying on, my friend. If you would like to contact me, visit saltandlightministry.com. If you want to share your story with me, ask a question, have me come speak to your group, or maybe just request prayer. Once again, saltandlightministry.com. Thanks and God bless.